0: I want to pray before I get going, but the songs today couldn't have been more appropriate. And that's hard to really understand because sometimes we'll just go through these flows of, of coming to church, going through the motion, you know, on the way to church, our minds, uh, just that chaos going in our minds. We get here, the lights go out, and, and almost sometimes we just raise our hands and, and, and that's okay. You know, the Lord knows where we are. The Lord is a lot more gracious than I think that we really realize the amount of grace that he has on us as humans is beyond belief, and, and the other reason is, first, I couldn't turn on the mic, and secondly, I picked my own socks this morning about 6 a.m., and I have blue socks on, not black socks, so we, are, we really need the Lord no matter where we are in life. But let me pray. Father, this morning as I stand before this congregation, I have two things. There's this incredible warmth and love in my heart, but there's also this steel in my spine this morning, and, and usually when I'm sensing you're working, those two things don't go together. You let me have a lot of steel, and this morning there's just incredible tenderness. It's almost like I'm I'm sitting at a Thanksgiving meal with family that I just really love this morning. And, and God, you can only do that. And Pastor mentioned it too. Walked in, and it was almost like we had been friends just picking up after a couple years. God, that's your spirit. It's not based on our backgrounds. It's not based on our ethnicity. It's not based on our gender. It's not based on where. We are born. It's based on your spirit bringing people from all different tribes, tongues, and nations into a family together. That wherever we go on this planet, we have our brothers and sisters. They're just not our biological brothers and sisters or adopted brothers and sisters. It is the spirit of the living God who breathed eternity, he, who breathed earth, who breathed these, the, the galaxies is also the same god that has made us one and this morning as i communicate i just pray that i would communicate as a as a brother would to another brother and sister whom whom he loves in jesus name amen i am with far-reaching ministries the lord has placed us in some of the most extreme places on the planet as a calvary chapel ministry we're most known for our work in south sudan Uh, South Sudan is a little bit different than what we're used to over here. Some of you may have heard of South Sudan, but most of you probably haven't, other than when I say the word South Sudan. But South Sudan has gone through an incredibly difficult time since it gained its independence in 1956. Since then, it has actually been at 40 years of declared war and 60 years of non-stop conflict. They have been fighting longer than I've been alive. And the way I can bring that home a little bit is that uh, I'm— not even 60 yet, but I'm getting there, and they have been at war longer than I've been alive. Uh, for my children, we've had to go, and they're all g- young adults now, but we've had to live through 9-11, and we've had to live through some things or are these moments of incredible disruption in our life. Imagine your children living through 60 years of constant disruption, and what I can tell you is you just don't walk in and give somebody a little bottle of water and say, Jesus loves you. Sometimes you have to walk through the trauma of life with people, even though God is this amazing healer. Even in my own life, there has been seasons that I needed to walk through with God so that he could actually work in me. It's just the way it is. Sometimes there's this instant, and I've had a couple instants, but for the most part, it's over time now that I'm above 50 and I reflect back I can see all the fires of my life that when I was going through them I thought it was the end of life I couldn't see beyond it my emotions were spiked it hurt it was painful I never thought it would be better but yet today I look back in all those painful times and I actually can thank God for it because that's where the greatest growth has come from me it's done those two things it's given me this incredible love and passion for mankind but it's also given me the steel in my spine that I, I no longer will just play patty cake, patty cake. See, the Bible tells us that love is the greatest thing. We're to love God, we're, we're to love each other. That is actually a sign that we have the spirit of God living in us and it doesn't mean that we're not gonna make mistakes and not even like each other on certain days, but it goes on and tells us that we're to love even our enemies and that's really, really hard. And it's reflecting in society today because of the election, it is just so obvious that Christians somehow forgot that we're supposed to love our enemies. And I'm going to get into a little bit of this because love does transform. When uh, we were in South Sudan, just to give you a little bit of uh, dividing, so Africa is a huge continent and it's completely different everywhere you go. You have the Horn of Africa that is very Arab, and then you have the the East and the West or the Central Africa that is very black African. And then you get into South Africa, and you guys know a lot about that. You have apartheid and white and black. It's just a different continent. But where we are, there is this thing that they say over there uh, that Christianity is about a thousand miles wide, but it only goes about an inch deep. Discipleship is really, really important. You've got to walk with people for a season, as I've already mentioned. And so we've been trying to do that. There's been a lot of evangelism over there, but there's also been a lot of craziness. Well, the the northern Sudan had one goal, and that was for the Nuba Mountains, for Darfur, these names that you don't have to worry about today, and South Sudan. And they had one goal, and that was to convert the entire country to Islam and to live under a very strict form of Sharia law. These were Christians down in the south. They were animist Christians. They had this kind of quasi-religion that would blow most of our mind, but it is what it is. Again, a lot of evangelism, very little discipleship for many years, but they also did it to um, the nominal Muslims up in the Nuba Mountains, which are predominantly completely Muslim, but they're moderate Muslims. They just want to live their life. They want to follow Allah. They don't want to be under this strict form of Sharia law. And so the North came down and the merciless, inhumane atrocities that were committed against the innocent and the poor and the defenseless, is, it's harder than most Americans wrap our minds around. And if you've been in America for a while, you've seen some tragedy, but this goes beyond that. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on what they did other than to tell you that during the time in which we've been there, are over two Million people have been genocide and this isn't just army against army. This is literally this incredible revenge hatefulness towards uh, people that are even the same color or skin of you But just this incredible hatred towards other people and what they did to the women to mothers to daughters to sons and to the elderly It's we're still dealing with the repercussions of that today. It's been really pure evil In uh, 2011, I got to be there, but South Sudan came together and they overwhelmingly voted to become the newest nation in our world. And you would think that after 60 years of intensity and they were able to break free and the world recognized it, and even North Sudan recognized their independence and now they're they're a country, you would think that everything turned out happily ever after. But let me tell you, it doesn't always work that way because we live in a world that is incredibly broken. There's a lot of beauty. This is going to sound a little bit corny, but hear me on this one. Everywhere you go in your family, in Alpharetta or even to South Sudan, there seems to be this, this mixture of both heaven and hell, right? In our families, it's just so amazing. We can see the love of God with our children and marriage and you know wrestling through the things that we have to wrestle through, but yet there's also that really hard stuff that goes on. It's kind of this mixture of heaven and hell, and I thank God for that. I've been in some of my worst Problems in life, and the Lord will meet me with a sunset, or you get to hold a baby. I mean, there's just so much beauty in life, but there's also a lot of suffering. In South Sudan, they went from fighting one army, one well-funded, very aggressive army. Today, they the people that came together to defend themselves from the atrocities from the north, now they're fighting each other, and there's actually five factions that are. Fighting and killing for power and control. Isn't that what humans are like? I think that's a good message for us, too, because I know most of us drink from the same political party, and I'm not saying we shouldn't, but we have to be aware that power and control will corrupt. And as children of a living God who loves so much that he gave, the greatest reflection we are ever going to have is to remember we have these biases, remember that we have these preferences, but we're children, for those of you who are Christians, we're children of a higher kingdom. And in, God, in God's kingdom, one day we are going to judge angels. It's pretty significant, the gift that has been bestowed upon us as Christians. But before then, what I have realized is that I need to hold my judgment because at best, I usually am wrong. If I ever thought I had the gift of discernment, you can ask about 50 people who I spoke spoke prophetically in their life and they had to, thankfully they haven't, but they should have thrown rocks at me because I'm wrong. A lot of times I just don't have a full understanding and that is the most critical thing for us to do is we should have our convictions, but we need to be very careful to realize that everybody in this room, starting with me, we have blind spots. And we've got to walk a lot more gentle. And I'm not talking gentle where we walk around mamby-pamby with our head down. I'm not talking about that. I'm actually, I believe that as Christians, when you have the love of God, it's so freeing that you get to walk with your head up no matter what scars that you've actually carried in life. And we'll get a little bit more into that in a moment. Not only are they now fighting against uh, not one army, but five, those, those guys that came together, they're fighting for power and control. There's an additional 148 rebel groups that are marauding and killing. They're going from village to village, and they don't have villages like us. You're not going from Roswell to Alpharetta. You're, you're literally going from Mudhut Village to another Mudhut Village, and they go in there and just decimate it. It's, it's just a really sad thing, but we're not going to give up. In fact, South Sudan today, since it's had its independence, is ranked in the top three most dangerous countries on our planet. And we really do need your prayer. But in that, there's also this incredible thing that is going on. I'll get into that in a couple minutes, too. In South Sudan, extreme poverty. I just want to give a little bit of a comparison today. Uh, before COVID, our unemployment rate was about 3 to 4% depending on what state you lived in. And, and literally, there just weren't enough workers. So why was there unemployment? But there was. So we had basically, before COVID, about a 97% employment rate. Over there, it's reversed. 97% unemployment over there. They have no government support. They have no no ability to do things and most of their life. They've actually been on the run. And so it's hard to put down roots. It's a it's just really bizarre to see just to see where people can't even get their roots put in. Again, I would ask for you to pray for them because it's it's um, incredibly hard. Christianity is very practical. And because of the poverty of people, and this is what I—I I don't know how to encourage enough—it is all about Scripture. It is about the love of God that transforms our life. This love of a father that would send his son. We know these stories if you've been in church for a while. But love is practical. And sometimes I can walk up to somebody that has just been devastated by what happened in their family, or devastated by a divorce, or devastated by disease. And I can walk up to them and I can say, "Hey, Jesus loves you. Let me pray for you. Here's a water and leave." Sometimes that just doesn't work. It might help in a moment. The greatest love is when we actually will walk a distance with somebody who is really struggling. Because then you can pick them up when they're having those moments. Again, I'm going to get to that in a moment. I just want to use that as a foundation. In 1998, we as a ministry became the official training arm for the SPLA, which was the Rebel Army. You have no idea what God will do when you just show up. We are so into going, God, what do you want from me? Where can I go? Where can I run? And sometimes just being absolutely faithful with what's in front of you based on the skills that God has given you or just the willingness of heart. That faithfulness, what I've learned in life, can transform beyond your wildest dreams. We went in there to help. It was a group of Calvary pastors that sent us in years ago. And out of that obedience today, we have been written into the constitution of another country that we are the, Calvary Chapel is the official training arm of their chaplains or pastors. And we have raised up over 500 of those chaplains or pastors, just like your pastor. And they are all, but most of them are this morning actually embedded in forward combat units. Again, we need your prayers. A little bit different too, because of where we serve, we've had 69 of our team members die in the service of the Lord. In the first 16 years of ministry, we uh, lost 15. In the last six, 53. The world is continuing to heat up, and I would just pray as Christians that we would take a moment and, and sometimes get beyond, and I'm not downplaying what we've gone through the last few years and even some of you your entire life. I'm not downplaying that all. But sometimes if you can just quiet the voice in your head, take captives, those thoughts and be aware of what's around you sometimes it gives you perspective and we're going to give you some this morning, I want to show you a couple pictures here real quick I want to take you to South Sudan and Uganda and what happened about nine hours ago with church and so we're going to put some pi- pictures up and I'll explain them real quick this is actually uh calvary chapel um in nimali and it's called calvary chapel kush it's also our training base and it doesn't look like your normal church does it i mean it's got these high walls it's like what are you guys doing that for and we we put some beautiful crosses up there those are jerusalem crosses let's go to the next picture please there's another picture the guy who did those that artwork is just a neat brother of mine that came out of calvary chapel of Costa Mesa and he went over there and spent several months and just did some beautiful work and I'll explain this in a moment but I want to go to the next picture that's actually Calvary Chapel Kush uh, we started out like the rest of you really under a tree well maybe you didn't do that okay we have a different story we started out under under a tree and today we have thousands of people that come out of the bush literally every weekend to come to church because they are hungry to hear the full gospel of Jesus Christ and the questions they ask are the craziest things that you would ever imagine. And the other thing that's wild, too, and I'm watching the time, but, you know, we have things to do. We like church. We want a really solid message. We want it to be done in 30 or 40 minutes. They'll sit there for three, four, five hours. Oh, that's if it's raining and nobody can get there. They'll wait three, four, four or five hours even before church will start. That's not to make anybody guilty. It's just telling you that there is a hunger in the world where pain exists greatly. Keep saying I'm gonna get back to that, but I really, really will. Let's go to the next picture. These are the children in Nimalea. This is just the practical love that we show. We actually uh, feed about 12 to 1800 children in uh, just Nimalea, one city in South Sudan every day because of starvation. The war just continues to devastate that country. Government can't figure out how to get things going because they're at war with each other. And so we do that. But what I wanna point out, it's a little bit hard to see, is over there in the top left corner, there is, that's Lino. Lino has been with us since almost the beginning, Lino is actually truly considered a hero. He doesn't feel that way, but Lino is a man's man. He's actually been shot five times in battle, and he's actually got, uh, he got taken over by a bunch of guys. They tied him up, and he, he fought him so hard tied up that they took a knife and stabbed him in the leg, thinking that it would calm him down, and he kept fighting, and he actually beat up five guys. I mean, this is Lino, but here's the beautiful thing about Lino. He leads our Sunday school over there. And Lino, being a warrior, will get down into the dirt and just play with kids because he realizes that God has given him a mantle. God has given him uh, just this hero-like status, and he realizes that he can impact the next generation. And the kids will run around uh, nimbly, and they all want to grow up and be like Lino. It's pretty neat. You have no idea what God can do with your life when you just fully surrender to him, too. Next picture. These are our chaplains, and I just wanted to sh- give you an idea today and give you a little bit of a contrast. The front are uh, a little different than how Pastor stands up here, but these are Calvary pastors, if you will. I mean, it's, it, we, they're Calvary pastors. Those are the officers up front, and then those are actually the chaplains in the back that actually go into frontline combat units. And w- so here's the contrast very poor country. And when you see the military, it's a very ragtag military. They are driving. You've seen some of the movies on old Toyotas, and they have 50 calibers to the back. A lot of them will wear sandals they don't even have shoes and what we realized is that sometimes you just need to do something that is so big that it causes attention so we have marines that go over there that love jesus and teach them how to march and they get to go before they, they have a silent drill team that they get to go before the president and then they get to share the gospel it's just really really amazing but we decided as a ministry a long time ago that we were going to leave an impression And that was what happened earlier when you saw the pictures with the Jerusalem crosses on there. So those walls aren't there just to be really cool. There's two reasons for it. We live in a place that every day we have to be concerned about people coming with 50 caliber machine guns. shoot at us and so our walls are thick enough to be able to stop 50 caliber machine guns this is what we deal with as a ministry and and it's becoming so and more so much more combative that we fully expect it's going to be into the hundreds by time the lord probably calls us home including wes or vicky because of the places that god calls us to go there's a great probability that we're going to see many more of these people that die and you're going to see a video about these guys in a few, or you'll see, um, a, you'll see a video in a little bit, and at the end, you'll see these guys. What changes it is that I, I get to spend time with your pastor. These are guys that I've got, been able to spend time with. I've hugged them. They've laid their hands on me. I've laid hands on them and sent them out. I've taught them the word. And when, when, when they die, it, it, it hurts. There's a piece of you that goes missing, and it's not just one, but it's like 69, and it starts to take part of you. The other thing we wanted to do besides protect the children and protect our church and protect the chaplains is that we actually want to make sure that we're leaving a legacy. There is nothing in South Sudan. Some of the things that we take for granted, like in D.C. with with, uh, our statues and monuments and all this stuff they don't have anything there and what we want to do is to remind them even a hundred years later that God showed up in a radical way so we do things like that we have to think slightly differently it's not it's not what every church needs to do but it's what we need to do over there to make sure we're leaving a witness next picture please this is actually our this is another this is in Uganda it's not even in South Sudan this is a school that we built um incredible poverty there too this is if you know the lord's resistance army and then you know everything that's gone on these are a lot of the kids of other generations that grow up in complete poverty the illiteracy rate in uh, this part of uganda and south sudan is i mean it's through the roof and so we have to make sure practically that we're loving on people and this is actually a school let's go to the next picture where we have 700 children that we actually take through school from basically kindergarten all the way to uh, pre-college because we want to give them a great foundation. We feed them. And what we found out, and this is going to sound a little bit weird, it's actually free. This is what churches in America are supporting over there, but we found out too a while ago that we needed to charge them at least $3. Now, $3 is not a lot, but $3 is even a lot for them, but $3 is really not a lot. And here's what, why, why we charge them $3, because we found that if you have no skin in the game, things don't matter. When you're sitting there and i'm not saying you the infamous there and you have no skin in the game the things that are going on in the body of christ they don't matter and i want to drive that home you you can't have great victory as a as a spectator to the things of christianity and your calling is different than mine i don't know maybe one of you will end up in south sudan but probably not because god has god for so so for god so loved the world that he wants to make sure that you're everywhere. You're working at NCF, you're working at a church, you're working in South Sudan, you're working in Alpharetta, you're at Coca-Cola, whatever you're at, God wants to make sure that he has put the salt and the light everywhere. Your responsibility is not my calling. My calling is not your responsibility, but what we do is we support each other so that we can go out into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. Next picture. These are our guys uh, uh, marching. Uh, they they oh, man. when they go through Bible college, we have a Bible college and I, I have already semi invited your pastor there and a couple of you guys can come we would love for you to come over to Nimoli one day. We have a lot of pastors from the US come over because we take them through the Bible in one year Genesis to Revelation and it's not just topical because they're going out in the field where they don't have Google. They don't have anything. They don't have running water. They don't have electricity. They can't carry a bunch of things. They can carry one thing and it's their Bible. And so we spent an entire year taking them through the Word, and here's what we found, they're starving for it. And so they actually have six to eight hours of uh, classroom each day, plus they have four hours of study, plus they have practicum. We send them into hospitals and prisons, and they're not like our hospitals here. In fact, Wes, who is our founder and my best friend, um, when he got really sick over in South Sudan one time, he woke up, and in his hospital room, in a mud hut there was a goat in his room it's just a different world over there but that's where we send them because they do practicum and then you know what they do when pastors are over they just want to sit with the pastor they'll they won't even sleep because they just want to hear the word of God from men and women in America that know the word of God so well they are so hungry and so with the struggle there's also great victory for us next picture you have no idea what God can do with your life these are these represent most of the military leaders and there's others not in this picture we have two generals that we were able to lead to the Lord because we showed up and we stayed there for many years Uh, one of them is the guy with the tie on He is actually in line to become um, probably the next president. And so is another general who is a dear friend of us. And they come down. We've had the president comes down and uh, to our graduations of our chaplains, the vice president and generals. This is actually a bunch of generals that came down to the last graduation. What you can't see just a little bit is a guy over there, but they are surrounded by guys with um, AK-47s and um, rocket propelled, grenade launchers I mean it's just different when you're standing in church and there's a general there and we're all worshiping and they're just loaded with these guys with machine guns it's just different right but but it is what God has called us to but this is a guy who said that if he becomes president he will declare South Sudan as a Christian nation now we don't believe that God is into nation building per se I do believe that God has a kingdom that we're called to and whenever we make something you know like, this is what God said, if you look through history, we always mess it up, right? And Because men do that kind of stuff. So we're really thankful for his heart, and maybe he will do that, but what we want to see is a bunch of people that get so on fire for Jesus Christ that their only goal is to love on other people that are suffering as they make their pilgrimage to the end of their life and enter heaven. Next picture, I think that was the last picture. Yeah, thank you. So I just wanted to give you a little bit of insight into what happens for us Uh, over there. Today we are actually in 28 countries from one country to 28 and uh, we are actually in seven of the ten most dangerous countries on the nation. And here's what I'm going to tell you when you go into hard places, and I think it even works here in Alpharetta, but it's the fearless, selfless love of a person that changes lives. Have you ever been in a really hard place and somebody just wanted to come in and give you their critique and maybe it's really good? but your heart sometimes just needs to go I'm human can you just love me I don't know if you've ever experienced that I have and I'm going to tell you that the greatest evangelist tool is truth and I'm not again here to tell you it's some mamby-pamby thing you know that Christianity and love is this you know it's not Christianity and love and truth causes us to stand with this incredible strength that Jesus gives us because when we speak truth we don't have to win the argument truth is truth and truth will always beat out lies We don't have to win the arguments about the things that we have to fight about. And I just want to encourage you. It's really the the fearless self of love that changes lives. And and it's also people doing things that don't make sense. We've had hundreds of pastors uh, from Calvary pastors go over there from Don McClure to you name it. I mean, they've just all gone over there to teach. And we want to see a whole new generation of men come that we believe are actually prepared by the Lord to lead in what's going forward and so I really am going to be praying it's 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 not my desire for your pastor to be there it doesn't matter I want him there but it's if the Lord wants to so engage me in praying because your pastor because he is a man's man he would be they would just love him they would sit in him because he talks with the strength what you guys might not appreciate over there they appreciate it it's strength it's that conviction of character you know who you are even if you didn't know who you were before I want to encourage you with that please. I keep saying I'm going to get back to this stuff, but I really am when I pull these things together. I lead a division. I was a general manager for many years. I lead a division now. I stepped out of that, and it's called ghost operations. And that is the invisible uh, uh, arm of love, the invisible arm of the church into the most dangerous countries. And now we've extended into a bunch of Muslim countries. We are recording this. I've just learned with years to, you won't hear... A lot of the right I even write uh, countries because I've, I just can't do that right now and also I have to change names of some of the stories I'm about to tell you but I support over 600 underground pastors that are in the Middle East and even in uh, Eastern European countries that are actually closing and to have this and of the countries that we are being called into to come together and assemble like assemble like this it costs in most of those countries it will cost them everything this is This is like an amazing thing that happens, and it happens in the Western world, but there are a lot of countries that this is guaranteed of imprisonment if it's not death. I just want to give comparison. It's not that we come and we just put out the lights and raise our hands. We get to come with a heart of gratitude even in the greatest suffering that we're going through and God gives us moment of of heaven where we can actually close lights down and shut off all the noise and just worship this loving God. Her song set was just perfect. I love when the Holy Spirit does that but that's what we get to do and not the rest of the world gets to show that. Again we're going to show a video here in a minute but before I do that I'm going to read some scripture to you and And we're Calvary, I want everybody opening their swords usually, but sometimes it's okay to just sit there and let the words be spoken to you. So whatever you feel most comfortable, open your word, open up your app, or just listen to what I'm going to say. As backdrop, we're going to actually read in Luke chapter 19, verses 11 through 27. I would encourage you to read it, but this is Jesus talking to the disciples on his way to Jerusalem, where he knows 100% sure he is going to suffer and he's going to die and he's going to rise again, all for one reason, all for one reason called love. So he knows this. And parents, as I'm getting older, I have a granddaughter now, and, and I found myself, I've, I've, as I've spent the last few days with her, I played with her, we were on the trampoline, we had so much fun, but I found those moments that I just wanted to say things to help her as she grows up. And and, and I spoke into her life, and I can only imagine my heart, and I think most of you would feel this way. If I knew I was on my deathbed, what would I want to say to my kids? Would I just laugh, probably? But I would speak those things that absolutely mattered. The rest of the stuff would go away. And Jesus, in in this thing, I believe he's doing the same thing. Again, read that for yourself, the backdrop of that story. But let me pick up on, on verse 11. And as they heard these things, he, Jesus, proceeded to tell a parable. Because he was near Jerusalem, and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. And he said, therefore, a noble man went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas. A little bit of history on that a mina back then was about a pound of silver. Um, maybe I mean it's a lot of money today but back then it was a ton of money because poverty was just a different thing so he gives he calls 10 servants and he gives them basically one mina each and he says to them engage in business and my favorite translation says occupy and he says to them occupy keep going keep doing keep being keep going forward until I come so the scripture said that we're supposed to be God is going to give us these signs towards the end of time. But he's telling the disciples that there are going to be these signs. But even with the signs, because we are called to a different kingdom, we are connect, we are supposed to continue to occupy, continue to do until he comes. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he went from a noble man to a king. He ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by doing. Verse 16, the first came before him saying, Lord, your mina has made 10 minas more. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over 10 cities. I wish I had time for that and I don't. And and the second came to him, saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, you and you are to be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit, and you reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant." You knew that I was a severe man taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put the money in a bank, just do something practical with what I gave you in front of you to do? Why didn't you just simply put the money in the bank and at my coming I might have collected it with interest? That was enough. If you would have just done what was in front of you. And he said to those who stood by him, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. And I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Jesus, on his way to his own betrayal and his own death, he instructs the disciples, and I want to be bold and say, and us too. He instructs us clearly that we are to occupy until he comes. And it might really seem easy. It's a pastor's job. It's a worship leader's job. It's the missionary's job. Not all of you feel that way, but I just want to challenge you with something. Is that God has given you experiences. He has given you birth at a time that would, could have been any other time. You could have been born in South Sudan 100 years ago, but God, with your experiences and your personalities and, and the things that you're going to go through, he has created you for such a time as this, and you may find this hard to believe. I don't care how broken your life is has been as a Christian. God still can use that. There's a six-year-old woman I had a conversation with a couple weeks ago she grew up in an incredibly broken family. I mean, pretty bad. I, I got to hear some of the stories. And she just wanted to serve Jesus. That's all she wanted. And she was kind of awkward. And in high school, she really got picked on. And, and I mean, she just was really lonely. It hurt. And she clinged to this Jesus, you know, her Jesus. And, and she just wanted that. And at 19 years old, or actually 18 years old, um, some, another Christian thought that they would do something nice. And they set her up on a Christian blind date. And so she went out with this guy who was supposed to be an amazing guy, her first date in her entire life. And he took her out and he ended up raping her. And then he ended up threatening to kill her. And that just, she just felt so despised by God because the only thing she had, she didn't feel like she had an intellect. She didn't feel like she had looks. She couldn't communicate. She was very, very shy. She didn't have anything, but she felt like she could give her body to Christ. And now somebody took it from her. And for the next years, She tried to commit suicide she hated herself she lived in depression it was horrible now that she's 60 years old the lord one day showed her you know honey i i don't appreciate your suffering but i believed in you so much that i allowed you to be that suffering you remember your grandmother she forgot about her grandmother in her family everybody was a mess except for her grandmother Her grandmother was the one person that she could go to before she passed away years ago, and she could put her head on her shoulder, and grandma always made her feel better, and grandma was the only truly Christian in her life. And the Lord spoke to her and said, you get to take on that mantle. You, because of your suffering, when somebody's hurting, you can let them put their head on their shoulder, and you can let them cry those tears, and you won't send them away because you get that. And today she raises her hands and she is the happiest person I have ever met because she gets to be just a shoulder because of her suffering. You have no idea what God can do with your life. And there is no story in here, whether a young, good-looking man like you or an older man like me, God can use you when we would just quit looking and comparing ourselves to everything else. I, I see, I believe that the devil will not show up and he has never shown up with red horns and a tail. The devil that I know about from Scripture, at least my interpretive Scripture, this was, one, well, this was one powerful dude. He was able to deceive one-third of the nations. And I think that he has been incredibly effective. He has thousands of years of experience at, at deceiving nations. And I believe that he has deceived part of the church because you are not a waste in God's economy. In fact, if anything, the more broken you are, and I'm not, some of you aren't that broken, I get that. Just hear me on this. Even the most broken are the people that God can use the most because you're the one that won't take the credit for it. And if you want to glorify God in your greatest ability, it is glorifying God when it isn't about you. This isn't about me standing up here. I am not qualified for this besides my blue socks. I am not qualified for this. I didn't go through seminary. I never thought I'd be a pastor. I was a corporate guy. And then all of a sudden, I'm in ministry. You have no idea what God will do when you're just faithful. And my faithfulness started, I I taught second grade Sunday school. That was it. I was just faithful to that, and then one step led to another, and today I travel all over the world. See, this 20, 50, 80, 100 years of your life, if you're lucky enough to actually live a full life, it's really a blip on this planet. I have a granddaughter now. I still feel like my daughter who's 33 years old. I still remember when she just laid on my lap, I would put my feet up and I would just look at her with these big eyes and just go, man, I need to grow up. I don't know what it is to be a dad. And now she made me a grandfather and I am 50. I'm going to be 56 in a couple weeks, but it feels like I'm still 30. It just happened that quickly. And I have a feeling that whatever years I have in front of me, five years or 30 years, whatever, maybe 40 years, I don't know. I have a feeling it's going to be a blip, but I'm going to tell you something. What I know about my life and your life is that it actually really does matter. You know who your life matters to the most? God. Do you want to know why? Because he said, and greater things than these shall you do. Uh, We can pervert that scripture all day long, but Jesus uses people. He's used a burning bush, and he used a donkey, and he even used a fish with a coin in the mouth, but the rest of the time, he uses people. It's practical. He wants to use you and use you and use you. God wants to use you to finish the work of his love and bringing people to Calvary before it's too late and then judgment comes. He wants to use you. You mean that much in the economy of God. And you know who else you matter to? Your family. You really do. The impact that you have on your children, it might seem so contrite what I'm going to say, but when you live as imperfect as you are for a genuine love of Jesus and you pursue that, it matters to your family. Again, I want to just drive this point home is that he he chose to use us, his children, to complete his work here in Alpharetta and for me in South Sudan he expects me to be faithful, and you know what? He expects you to be faithful. And I want to say this because I actually got punched in the throat, not physically, but somebody hit me really hard. And the Lord gave me these words, and I'm just going to say them again to you. This is not a workspace message. I'm not trying to tell you that if you'll just get in the game, then God's going to bless you. It's a whole different Bible study that I don't want to get into right now. I'm not here to say that at all because that's not my, my thing here what I want to say and, and maybe readdress it a little bit is that when what I'm doing today and what your pastors doing is not because we're trying to earn God's favor. It's a natural response that should come out of us when we just, when we understand the grace and the love in which we've been given It should cause us to go into all the world, not because it's a duty. It's because we have a love relationship, a personal, intimate love relationship with our God. And I pray and some of those first love that we used to have, I've gone through the burnout season I have years ago, and God used it in my life big time. But I just want to encourage you that first love should be something that you are pursuing all the time. Because when we get really sophisticated at this stuff, it kind of messes stuff up. And let me give you a perfect example of that. I want to introduce you this morning to Danny. It's not his real name. He is in Syria because he says it and I couldn't take that out and that's okay because Syria is kind of a a hard country to find people right now and we have him there but I want you to hear Danny's story and I'm going to come back up here and close.
1: When the war starts, many problems happen, and it's so difficult to continue the ministry. And uh, we know some, someday uh, the problems has come inside our homes, not just in our city or in our area. Uh, at that time, I speak to the leaders and uh, we met together and I said, as in Acts book, the believers when they have the persecuted, Most of them, they go out of Jerusalem. If you want now to go out of your area or out of Syria to save your families, this is good if God gave you this to do. But uh, we, we must to know maybe one day the problems come to our families and to our life. And maybe we will lost our life one day. You know, when I left the room and after time I turned back to see the decision of the leaders, I found 25 people, they stand there and they said, we will not leave. We will continue to serve God here in this area. And we will continue the ministry. If we are die, we will go to Jesus. And if we leave here, we will be with Jesus. And you know, but they asked me something to do. And they said, if one of our team die, you know we are non-Christian background and no one will take care about our body if we killed or something happened to us. Uh, What we can do if this happened? For that, we buy this land and we built a graveyard. This graveyard for if anyone killed from our team, we can put him there. This is the first building of our ministry. I think it's first uh, happened in a city in Syria. They give the chance for the uh, Christian. They said to him, if you leave your Christianity now, you can be uh, hold your life, or if not, we will kill you. This, this decision is, you, you know, it must to, to take directly and most of the uh, Christians said no we are ready to die for Jesus and for that they, uh, you, you can see many uh, pictures about the Christian. they put them in the cross and when they put them many times they put in the uh, area all the people can see them to learn the people if you will be Christian this is your what y- will happen to you uh, and uh, most of the people, I thank God for these uh, heroes in the faith. They die for Jesus and they put them in the cross. You remember when I told you about the stories about the man who with uh, his son and uh, they bring them and they ask them to leave uh, them faith in Jesus Christ. But the father said no and the son said no. And they asked the father, if you don't, Uh, come to Islam now, we we will kill your son front of your, your eyes. And after that, they cut the head of the son and they start to play football in his head front of his father's eyes. This is something incredible. You cannot understand what's happened. But through all this bad news, you can see the hope is growing between these uh, uh, difficult and uh, bad people you know so- sometimes many people ask me why why you continue in the ministry in Syria especially in this time in the war the important things for uh, for our life to be in God willing this is our call from God to uh, to do the ministry in Syria when we are inside the, the God-willing, that means we are in the safe place. But if we are go out of God-willing and go out of Syria, that means we are in the dangerous place. Maybe I, I can go like to Lebanon, to Jordan, to US, to, to anywhere and continue my life there. But that means I am go out of God-willing. That means I am in dangerous. The important things in our life, not to be alive, but to be with Jesus willing. But if I am inside the dangerous, but in God willing, that means I am in the safe place. This is my belief, and I trust in Jesus. He will keep my life, and when He wants me to go to Him, I am ready to do this.
2: Sun and moon will be replaced with the light of Jesus' face. And I will not be ashamed, for my Savior knows my name. It don't matter. This world left on my soul, I'll be healed and I'll be whole. Sun and moon will be replaced with the light of Jesus' face, and I will not be ashamed for my sake. Don't matter
0: I pray that my heart will never get tired of seeing that. And the reason we put a lot at the very end after you get to hear Danny's stories is that it would be, I mean, those are my brothers. Those are people that I love. It's Those are my family members. And I don't care how tough you are, when you when you get to see those, it just always moves you. I'm also reminded too, that the greatest in treasures in life, and, and I, where's our, there it is right there. Oh, what time do I have Pastor Till? five or six more minutes okay Um, the greatest treasures in life are always where the dragon lives I want to say that again the greatest treasures in life are always where the dragon lives even Hollywood figured this out they realize that if they can put the dragon there and and the 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 unassuming man of valor or the, the unexpected hero takes this journey and goes and then has to you know all these mistakes and then has to face the dragon hollywood figure this one out it's built inside of us that we just know that it takes bravery in life and i'm not talking about bravery literally physically going and looking for the dragon scripture tells us who that great dragon is and i can tell you in the families that are the most destroyed that is exactly true that the greatest treasures are always where the enemy lies but the fact is i'm not telling you that because i'm expecting you to strap on a gun and go and fight a real dragon or or even that that's not it but I want to back it up a little bit, <clears throat> too, because usually when we go and face that dragon, you just don't show up if you're not prepared. In fact, if you watch some of the movies that Hollywood put together, what happens with the heroes, they typically start by playing with some sticks. And then when they get at sticks, then maybe they move on and eventually they get into a battle or a fight. And, and then uh, over time, that, that courage is built. And, but I want to encourage everybody in here today is that courage is built by what's in front of you. By being obedient, and I'm not trying to da- play this wrong because my heart is saying this in the most tender way possible. But I get a lot of people that will come up to me and go, "I'm ready to do it," and 100% of the time, the people that are ready to give up everything and do it right away are the ones that are just pretty miserable in their life right now, and they think that if they can just go to a hot spot, if they can just go somewhere that it's going to radically transform their lives. And I'm going to tell you, it doesn't work that way, because when you face disease and you face death and you face all that you you have to be prepared for that but I want to encourage you even in Alpharetta even in America the greatest treasures are always where the dragon lives nothing valuable nothing important life is ever easy for your pastor I honor him he is a pretty strong guy I love his personality I mean he's just made for that and he's cool to me he's just cool he's unafraid of what people think I love the earrings I don't have one I can tell you a story about an earring. It happened one night. My mom threatened to kill me, so it came right out. But I, so I live vicariously, maybe. But he's, a, but he's a pretty strong guy. And what I'm thankful for is because in this generation is that it does not work to be a mamby-pamby anymore. You have to have so much love and so much conviction of character that when people throw rocks at you, even from your own congregation, you have to know that you are being obedient to Christ and you are doing everything you can in your humanity because he's going to make mistakes and so am I. That's humanity. But God called us to these things differently. But why honor your, your pastor? I'm a pastor, but I'm not a shepherd because God hasn't brought me to that point yet. Because I think that if I brought, for most churches, I would bring the word of God each week. And when people don't listen and marriages are falling apart and all that stuff, I'd probably take the pulpit and throw it through a window and you guys would fire me by the next weekend. So I really honor your pastor to have a shepherd's heart to keep showing up. And not just have a shepherd's heart. I wouldn't mess with this guy's sheep. He'll hit me with his uh, his rod. I mean, you got a pastor who loves you and he's bringing strength. What I ask you to do is to stand with him and pray for him. And I'm not saying that you can't challenge him. Any man of God needs to be challenged because we can all be always be blind. But I want to reverse that, too, is if the Lord is speaking to him and he challenges you, don't let the thin skin be there. Go home and ponder what he said. Maybe it's not for you, but other times maybe it is. Because the things that we're afraid to face are the very things that are going to keep showing up. I want to challenge you with that the very things whether that's trauma in your life disobedience if you still have an addiction whether that is to drugs porn food well, all those things keep showing up until you honestly face those things and what I found is that I can't face those things alone it's the church that is supposed to be a hospital and we're not just a hospital that almost gives this impression that we're always broken all the time that's not true but a lot of times people will show up at those doors because life is broken in those moments. And this place is a place that not only are we supposed to be a hospital, but then we become PT, physical therapy, both spiritually and physically. We call it discipleship. Let's feed them with the word of God and let's prepare them. Let's teach them how to hit with wooden sticks. So one day when they have to face the dragon, they're ready to do it. I want to encourage you with that. I don't know what it's going to take, but when you look at the other parts of the world, including our chaplains, this is what our chaplains have been saying to us for years because they see what's happening in America. And the Bible says to go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. You know what our chaplains say? Does that mean we should be going to America to be missionaries? I am crying out from the loving king for more than one church, but a church like this that will rise up and you're in the Bible belt. You're in a place where almost every one of your neighbors thinks that they're good people because their grandparents and their great grandparents, they have been Southern Baptists or they have been Christians for a long time. This is actually a really hard place to be when everybody thinks it's okay. And I'll tell you what doesn't work here. Worked here in the 50s, but for me to stand up on a soapbox and say, come to Jesus, you sinner. It just doesn't work. Today, it's changed. It's really about love. It's about walking with somebody. It's taking them for coffee. It's it's just getting past yourself and saying I'm showing up even though I have yard work to do if I can just encourage us this city Alpharetta and Atlanta needs you guys needs the body of Christ as imperfect as we are we're just made up of this incredible love and if I could drive that home to you if I can just get one person that God catches on fire and I'm seeing all of you and I've got a couple young guys that I'm really excited about around here too because what God can do with their life I'm older I have a I have some time in front of me, but I got to hand the baton on men. There are some and women, ladies. There are some next generation people that if you just pour in, you have no idea the fruit that can be produced from their life that will go into eternity after you're already there. But we got to get past ourselves. You know what we have to do? We have to turn off the the news. We uh, the news. I I, I can't go there. I can't go there. Okay, I can't go there. I I just I got to watch my time. I'm going to come back to my notes. But the fact is, is that there is work to be done around here. Those beautiful little girls right there, they don't just get to raise themselves. They need love. And and it's not just mom and dad, because mom and dad get tough. But sometimes my voice in a moment, it's going to make more sense with that young man right there than his own parents. It's just the way it is. I've told my children a thousand times something, and then they go and listen to a pastor and come home and say, oh, yeah, look what I learned. I'm like, I used to go, well, I used to tell you that. And I just went, thank you, Lord. Some people plant, other people water. But the fact is, is that some of you are supposed to be planting, and some of you are supposed to be watering. That is what the love of Jesus is all about. Jesus came to give, and when we reflect Jesus, we give. I really will end here. My heart does ache for the Christians who will one day realize the life that they could have had. And I want to, with these almost final words here, I want to just encourage you is don't be that person. And I I think under your pastor now, and I know this church has gone through a couple things, which I think is refining fire. It gives you guys humility in the community. I think it's beautiful. But don't let this church become that story. Again, it was in 1996 that some Calvary pastors heard about the atrocities in South Sudan. And Wes, a former Marine, he was actually in Russia going into prisons, and they called him and said, hey, can you go do some recon in South Sudan? And he's like, wait a minute I'm in the middle of ministry and he got quiet with the Lord and he felt it was what he was supposed to do and then he had a look on a map because he didn't even know where South Sudan was and he got on a map and he did some recon called in a pastor a bunch of pastors they brought in food and relief and he got back to Southern California and he said God thank you very much but I never want to do that again yes Lord I'll go back and today what Wes will say is that God can take me out of South Sudan, but if he does, he'll break my heart. I'll be obedient, but he'll break my heart. You have no idea. Sometimes we think it's what we want, but when we learn obedience and we just walk and we, we engage in this and we, we're committed to it, we have no idea that God really is trying to bring you to a place to give you the desires of your heart. I wanted to be a corporate guy I I was a Christian I had some skills I wanted to be incredibly rich and support all these ministries and God in his joy brought me into a different place and now my kids have surpassed me income wise and all that you know what I'm okay with all that because God has given me the joy of my heart to be able to stand before you guys for 45 minutes to love on you with the relentless love of Jesus to encourage your pastor and his wife and the elders here and to get you to stand up and love in this community and love on each other the way that the body of Christ was called to be because people need love I have never won an argument I'm sure some of you guys have when you fight with your wife you win an argument I have never won an argument but I have won many people to the Lord by love including on planes complete atheists professor at Harvard out of love I've been able to bring people to the Lord Finishing now, because I've gone way over, many of you will want to get involved. It's just the way it is. This is not everyday church. I get that. And I have some um, displays of some uh, uh, of the chaplains back there, plus some of our underground pastors. And then I have some children, not even our ministry. I have some children back there, children of war, because the Bible tells us undefiled religion is this. And so we have to take care of children that don't have parents. We're doing all that. And I'm going to say something that you guys are going to maybe crack up at a little bit. For me, I've heard it so much and I mean it, what we first need is honestly your prayers. When the Holy Spirit is prompting you, please pray. You have no idea what situation we might be in, and I'm not downplaying that. I hear it all the time, oh, pray for you, Pastor, and I know that there, there's an intention there. I mean it. Please, we need prayer. Financially, we are actually in a really good place, and I thank God for that. As a ministry with West starting in Mud Huts, We're now putting over seven million dollars a year into the field. We could put a billion dollars a year in the field, but that's what God's trusting us to. We are for a Calvary Chapel ministry. We went from basically not even have money for flights to we have the ability to literally feed thousands of people a week. And that is because of the body of Christ. If you want to get involved financially, listen to me first. This is your church. And the pastor usually doesn't say that this is a Calvary Chapel thing, but I am a practical guy, was a business guy. It takes money to have a building and to pay salaries and do all that stuff. If you're not being obedient here, we don't need your help. If you're being obedient here, if you're invested here, if you're committed here, if you're just, just given what you can here, then you have the right to help somewhere else because this is your calling right now until God calls you somewhere else. If you want to get involved in us, you can adopt a uh, chaplain from the back. I'm not going to make much about this because I don't want to, but I want to explain it real quick because I won't be able to tell everybody at once. I have to go grab an airplane. But if you're going to pick somebody, we just need to know who that is. Um, There's some suggestions of what you can do. You can do multiple people, whatever you want to do. But again, I really want to make sure that you're being obedient here. This is your battlefield. And you have a chance to get involved because um, it's not that we should gain Not anymore, but we want you to be able to bear good fruit and actually, and this is going to sound kind of funny, but you'll get it. We want you to get addicted to bearing good fruit. There is nothing better for the Christian than to be in love with bearing good fruit. Because one day it's all going to make sense. Right now it doesn't. It's like saying no to the donut, but so much better. One day it's going to make sense. Why? We want to make sure that we put the kingdom of heaven above everything. Our family, our career, everything. Because the God we, we live for, one day when we stand in his presence, our tears are going to be no more. That is a reason for me on this earth, with my tears running down, to give everything I have to a king that gave everything he has so I could be part of him. And I thank you for the little time, just how this all worked out. And with that, I want to turn this over to the pastor and have him come on up. Um, Yeah, I'm not going to read this last one. I just got a, I get emails every day from war zones where they're asking for prayer. Literally, I get five a day. I just got one this morning. I was going to read you, but we're out of time. I just want to leave it with that. And pastor, thank you.
3: Let's have everybody stand. This is a... Even my quiet time with the Lord this morning, I didn't have to sit in my own message, so I just really got to sit with the Lord and his word, and uh, out of Edward's mouth just came this idea of walk, Um, but out of Pastor Danny's mouth in that video came this whole idea like, close your eyes for a minute and just know and understand that you were standing not in the presence of men and women, but that you're standing in the presence of the God who created you, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the possessor of the heavens and the earth. It's known as the Lord, the most high God, God Almighty. Think of the reality of that's the one that you were standing in the presence of. It's this whole idea of the safest place you can be is in the center of that being's will. Meditating this morning in the Garden of Eden, it says that God was walking in the cool of the day. I think that intimacy that we can have with him to walk with him truly in fellowship day in and day out. But in the midst of that beautiful fellowship, there was a dragon in the garden who was a liar and deceiver, a thief, a murderer, a distractor. And Adam and Eve chose to listen to that opposing voice rather than to be overwhelmed and flooded with love for the Creator and obedience towards Him. As you fast forward in the story, we're told that Enoch walked with God, and God took him so in the midst of the depravity of man in the midst of the culture that Enoch lived in he made a choice to find his safe place in God regardless of the context of his life same thing with Noah we're told that Noah walked with God in the midst of an evil generation that God judged the safest place for Noah to be was in in step with the Lord so just as you stand before God right now as you've listened to Edward this morning as you've listened to the Holy Spirit speak to you as you've been encouraged with stories from halfway around the world and you live in your own context what is God speaking to you right now in regards to your walk are you safe with God are you linked to him are you listening to him are you trusting him are you laying down your desires and your will for his name's sake, Knowing with great confidence that whatever he does with your life, whether the world defines that as good or bad, that you will bless him with all of your soul. Lord, speak to us as we continue to worship you. Be glorified and bless our fellowship as we, we continue just to interact with one another in the name of Jesus today.